0: So the epistle is from uh, the letter to Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood... But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Spiritual Warfare is the daily struggle to jointly worship God in spirit and truth, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices through uh, true assumptions and beautiful attitudes and good actions. Just as the proper goal of any earthly warfare is a just peace, so spiritual warfare isn't the goal of Christian spirituality. The gospel of peace pursues the growth of God's kingdom towards the cosmic peace of the new heavens and earth. Have a look at uh, Isaiah 65, 17, 66, 22, Revelation 21, 1. As Dallas Willard explains, our kingdom is simply the range of our effective will. In spiritual warfare, we seek to extend the effective range of God's kingdom. In God's loving guidance and mighty power. Asked what the body of Christ, pictured as an army, is for we answer that our task is to deepen and expand God's kingdom over every sphere of reality within our influence. We are God's agents in the struggle against evil in all of its forms. It is in this sense, here and now, that Christian spirituality is a matter of daily spiritual warfare. Now, talk of spiritual warfare may raise a couple of red flags in your minds. First, some Christians, unfortunately, have a rather narrow idea of spiritual warfare that focuses so much upon the devil's schemes that our daily struggle against the dark world opposed to God and against our own sinfulness is overshadowed. That said, many Christians succumb to the worldly peer pressure to be embarrassed at belief in spiritual forces of evil, thereby making an equal though opposite mistake. As C.S. Lewis once observed, a belief in angels agrees with the plain sense of scripture, the tradition of Christendom, and the beliefs of most men in most times And it conflicts with nothing that any of the sciences have shown to be true. Secondly, spiritual warfare is not the preserve of some sort of class of separate super-Christians. Every Christian is conscripted into this war. And we are all issued with the same basic equipment though our differing spiritual gifts should, of course, play a role in how we fight. So I think we must recognise that spiritual warfare is the intellectually robust, everyday essence of the ordinary Christian life. Paul closes his letter to Ephesians with this famous analogy between Christians and Roman soldiers between the tools of earthly warfare and those of spiritual warfare. This passage has been summarised as a plea to make the right stand in the right strength. To make the right stand in the right strength. For as Paul says in 2 Corinthians ten three to 4 Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Just as the spiritual body of the resurrection is a body under the control of the spirit, so spiritual warfare is waged as we put ourselves under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, of goodness, of peace. And so spiritual warfare is waged for and under these controlling principles. As the Christian philosopher Peter Kreft puts it, spiritual warfare is fought not with guns, but with goodness. This goodness includes, but is by no means limited to, the doing of good deeds and the development of morally virtuous Christ-like character. It extends to the beauty of our artistic, our cultural endeavours as we seek to worship God with all of our heart and mind and strength. Spiritual warfare, in other words, is a holistic endeavour Something that affects every aspect of our life and our conduct. Which piece of equipment mentioned by Paul could the Roman soldier fight effectively without? None of them. Could he fight effectively without a shield or without a helmet, without a sword? No. No. That is why Paul exhorts Christians to put on the full armour of God. Now, to use armour effectively, we need to know what it can do, and we need to know what we can do with it. Thinking of ourselves in sober judgement. For example, a sword is an effective weapon in the hands of an expert. The swordsman has learnt how to use a sword with such care that its effective use comes naturally to them. The raw recruit, on the other hand, has to concentrate so much on not misusing their sword and cutting themselves or their allies to pieces that little energy is left over for actually using it as intended. Thus, as with every item listed by Paul, we need to learn how to use the word of God effectively. As Proverbs 19.2 says, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge. The word of God both contains and enjoins the use of arguments in the process of persuasive evangelism. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, says Paul in 2 Corinthians. On the contrary, he goes on, they have divine power to demolish intellectual strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we fight not with arms but with arguments for, as Lewis again warned, to be ignorant and simple now, not to be able to meet the enemies on their own ground, would be to throw down our weapons and to betray the uneducated brethren who have under God no defence but us against the intellectual attacks of the heathen. Good philosophy, he said, must exist if for no other reason but because bad philosophy needs to be answered. If you feel the need of some training in this arena, let me recommend, say, the Reasonable Faith courses on Sunday afternoons or uh, Peter May's excellent little book, The Search for God and the Past of Persuasion, uh, with which he will uh, give you for the very princely sum of five pounds. we know that evil loses in the end because God guarantees it. In a sense, evil is a defeated enemy. Evil is a dead man walking. Nevertheless, as the Lord's army, the church doesn't have a merely ceremonial function. Uh, We aren't, say, like the beef eaters at the Tower of London The Lord's army is commissioned to take part in a real war, the struggle between good and evil. The outcome of that war may be a foregone conclusion, but victory still needs to be realised in our lives. God has won and is winning and will win But what role we play in his victory, even how resounding the victory will be, depends in part upon our spiritual struggle. That's why we need to rely upon the resources that Christ gives us through his Holy Spirit and through his Church. We can't make it alone in this struggle. So we need to prayerfully, together, learn to use the full armour of God. Amen.